Meanwhile, in New Jersey... So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and oh, the practical effects. <sighs> um, and also the male gaze? My gaze at the males. hi From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. At maximum mediocrity, people say things like, I don't dress like this on the regular basis. This isn't my, you know, pooping uniform. This is not <laughs> And they also say things like, the, the nurses are usually either angels of mercy or whores. Every episode is a new experience where you get to know people that aren't famous, but should be. Why am I facing Floyd Mayweather in the Woods. My co-host Morgan and I track down the people you didn't know you needed to hear from. It's like hot sex in a mug. We are the Maximum Mediocrity Podcast, and we are on all major podcasting platforms. We'll be waiting for you. Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. Matt, this is the last episode of 2022, oh and uh, I, f- I feel like we're going out on a on a big one. We're going out on in an alternate universe. This would be the beginning of the end of the podcast, right? This would be like the last <laughs> album that anyone ever heard from Al. But instead, he kept going. He persevered, and we're going to talk about that in a second. But we've got a return guest that we need to bring into the fold, so he doesn't have to sit awkwardly. Jim, welcome back, buddy. Hey, thank you guys so much for having me back here to talk again about Al, you know, a close personal friend of all of ours. Oh, yes. so true. Keep it, keep it, keep it going. Keep talking about this. It's awesome, though, that this is a, a podcast at the end of the year, because as we get into the next year, as it keeps going, it's like we're ending ending this year by beginning a new album. New beginnings. New so, beginnings. Yeah. This is it. This is it. So a couple of notes about Polka Party before we dive into today's song. Uh, so Polka Party peaked at number 177 on the Billboard 200. It was met with mixed to negative reviews and was considered a commercial and critical failure. Uh, despite this, it was nominated for the Best Comedy Album of 1986, but it lost out to Bill Cosby's 
Those of you with or without children, you'll understand. The Polka Party <laughs> is one of the few Yankovic studio albums to not be certified as gold or platinum. Quick trivia question. Do either of you know what the other two albums are that failed to go gold or platinum for Al? Ooh. No, but I'd love to guess. UHF? Are we counting UHF? UHF is one of the two. All right. Yeah, it had to be that. And, oh, God, maybe Poodle Hat? Those are the two. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> I nailed just it. flexed my qualifications for this show <laughs> in front of you all. I'd seen that trivia thing, but I'm glad that you were out there trying it. I, to yeah, that was real. That was you real, you guys. That was not staged. Uh, the other thing the other thing that's pretty interesting, this album was recorded in three sessions. Uh, the first session was on April 22nd and 23rd, which was mostly original songs at that point. So that was Don't Wear the, Those Shoes, One of These Days, Dog Eat Dog, and Christmas at Ground Zero. The second session was August 4th and 5th, where they did three of the parodies, which was today's episode, Living with a Hernia, Addicted to Spuds, and Here's Johnny. And then the final session was August 29th and uh, all the way to September 1st, and that's where they did Toothless People, Good Enough for Now, and The Polka Medley. <laughs> Yankovic has even described the album as not a whole lot different than any other album I recorded and said that the process of making this one was quite formulaic. Al did not do a polka party tour for this album really no i didn't know that wow instead instead he chose to be the opener for the monkeys oh my god <laughs> and he said that uh he later joked that the monkeys were merely agreeing to close for him <laughs> which is, oh, which is a such a good that's line. a great line i've never heard that before oh i'm gonna use that on the road for sure and uh you know, let's let's real quickly. I want to know your thoughts on some of these reviews because, if you recall, when we talked about Dare to Be Stupid, all the reviews were like, "The parodies are great, but these originals have got to go. Who cares about them?" <laughs> but when we were done reviewing the album, we're like, "The parodies are, or the originals are so much stronger than most of the parodies." Yeah. On Dare to be Stupid. So for this one, not much different. Um, all Music gave it a three star review. Uh, and wrote, just about anyone will still feel let down by this album. <laughs> he was also critical of the parody choices, noting that many of the original versions would be forgotten in 15 years, which correct. is absolutely correct. correct. <laughs> none of none of the songs that he picked a parody on this album are really one, like... One. One. Has one really stood the test of time. We'll get yeah. to it. Yes. The Daily Vault gave it an F and described Oof. the album as... That it seemed like it could have well been the last call for Weird Al Yankovic. Uh, he criticized the album and said that both the parodies and the originals are not very good, and it felt like Yankovic was just going through the motions. Rolling Stone actually rewarded it three and a half stars, which means that it's tied with Off the Deep End and Running with Scissors as the best rated album oh, God. from Al on wow. Rolling Stone. You know, obviously Yankovic was kind of disappointed that this album didn't do well. He said that he he also thought it was the end of his career. He figured he had peaked at Eat It and Like a Surgeon. Yeah. And then people were starting to forget about him. But then Even Worse came out, which I'm so excited for us to talk about Even Worse after we finish Polka Party. That is still his best-selling album. And he realized that was the day he realized that career's a good career is full of peaks and valleys, and sometimes yep. you're in a valley and you just got to wait for the next peak. And, you know, that's just some good, wholesome I love those stats. <laughs> the only other thing, I think I might have said this before, but when I saw Al on the last Vanity Tour, he played a song from this record, and we'll talk about it when we get to it. But before he played it, he said, this is one of my favorite songs I've done on what has to be my worst album. 
So by Al's own admission, on stage, he said that he thinks Polka Party is his worst album. I don't know if I agree. I, I don't mean, that, know if it was it's also kind of an off the cuff, you know, stage oh, joke sure. to make, but he did say <laughs> it, which surprised me um, yeah. that he would so openly be like, yeah, this was my my lowest point. You know, this is a, it's a great. I don't know if it's a seg into it, but there's a lot of history I was looking up that I thought that we could maybe talk about that leads us to Al and Polka Party. And I, and I yeah. wonder if the reason it's all that is because maybe in a way he was sort of forced to do this album. Yeah. Maybe before, like maybe it had to come out of the oven sooner than he wanted it to, based off of the success of Dare to Be Stupid and the success of In 3D. Before that, yeah. I'm sure the record label, and I'll get a little bit into it because I think it makes a lot of sense as it kind of ties out there. They might have just been like, "Yo, you gotta keep striking while this iron is hot," like the beat the Beach Boys method or something. Yeah, where like yeah. It's, it is two worth brand noting. new records every year, or some kind of thing. Yeah, it is worth noting that he, you know, there were the occasional times where you'd have like one album out one year and another album out the very next year. But this is kind of the end of that streak where it was like self-titled in 83 in 3d in 84 dare to be stupid in 85 polka party in 86. Like, yeah, he released four records in four years. That's a lot of work. And then it's like, you know, even worse comes out in 88. And then, you know, right off the heels of that is the, the UHF soundtrack. But then, it's another year or two before off the deep end. There's a year gap between before Alapalooza. There's a three year gap before Bad Hair Day, and then the gaps widen more and more from that point. Then it's like every three or four years you're getting a new Weird Al record, and now it's been almost a decade. But presumably those year. gaps are probably that's probably Al's choice and request. I mean, I think he probably you know all of this stuff takes time to gestate for him. It's this must be this weird combination for Al of like giving ideas time to form while also needing to be so on the pulse that you're parodying something very current. It has to be this, you know, it must be this real sweet spot for him where it is that instant spark of, of idea and be like, I know how to do this now and having all of that coincide. I mean, there's a reason why Al had said after the last record came out that he thought he was done with albums because the idea of turning around something culturally relevant fast enough in the context of a 10 plus song album was getting harder and harder for him to do. So he was like, I'm just going to do songs. He hasn't even really done that many songs. Yeah, no, I mean the pressure from a label to just crank out this stuff like this must've been incredibly, it's, it's almost an impossible request. It's like be inspired now to to parody this thing that's popular right now. Well, right. and then well, here's here's a really important note because I think that you're both on to something. Yeah. Um, and as we talked about with Dare to be Stupid, there's at least one, if not two things that the Scotty brothers forced his hand yes. to do. And that is the case with this song. Yeah. Um, right. When it came time to pick a song to parody for the lead singer of Polka Party, Scotty Brothers Records had some very strong ideas and wished to have Yankovic parody a musician who was currently signed to their label. Let me get into that, Matt. Yeah. That's, that's a whole part of this whole story, man. Yeah. And why it's so important. So, like, okay, so a couple of things that we sort of mentioned that I just wanted to touch on before we dive real into it. And Living with a Hernia has started how we even got there. This is the <laughs> first song on the record, yeah. what we're talking about here today. But you mentioned with Polka Party being 177, 177 on the Billboard chart. I mean, obviously, that's pretty low because it's 200. But I mean, I I think we know another certain podcast guest that would probably trade anything to have a record that's 177 (laughs) on the Billboard chart or whatnot. But but the reason why that is so like 
a miss for Al is because I looked it up and I saw that Dare to Be Stupid was at 50 and then in 3D was 17. Yeah. So it'll go 1750 to 177. Yeah. People are going to definitely think that that's like a miss oh, or, big a time. Or, you know, I, or whatever, even if it's. I'm sure from Al's perspective, Dare to Be Stupid was something of a step down, but still a hit. You know what I mean? Like he didn't have it wasn't eat it levels of success, but like a surgeon was big enough that it wasn't a flop. It was like, oh, this didn't quite hit the height of in 3D, but it was still like, you know, no one's going to be furious at him for it. But this is like this is a major fall. Right. It's true. Well, and it's and it's in a way it's premeditated. <laughs> and, yeah. And, yeah. and Matt was kind of talking about it. And this is the case. All right. So let's go back a little bit, a little bit before Polka Party even existed to a, to the winter of 1985 with a little movie called Rocky Four that had taken over, the, I guess, the world by storm because it was one of the first movies that was ever put out during the Thanksgiving break. And so it just crushed Ooh, all these records because cool. of just, like, everything about Rocky Four, everybody was ready for it because Apollo Creed came back. He was fighting Drago and, you know, we all that goes. And the main song of that movie is Living in America by James Brown. Yes. Which happens to be a Scotty Brothers artist and the Rocky Four soundtrack was on Scotty Brothers records. Yeah. So I I want to throw out one thing that is not tied to any of this, but sort of. If you remember way back on the in 3D album, we were talking about the Eye of the Tiger. And yeah. in that episode, I was like, I swear I felt like this song was written for a different movie and then got picked up by Rocky. I just the other day figured out what it was. I had the facts slightly wrong. It was that You're the Best from Karate Kid was written for Rocky Three, and Sylvester Stallone turned that song down and then got Eye of the Tiger in its place. And then that song got shopped to Karate Kid, also in the year of 1984. But yes, I just... Super random thing that I literally was reading a book about the summer of 1984, and that factoid was in the chapter about the karate. Kid. There's another. There's another one. I'm not sure if you have this, Jim, but a, another thing I noted for Rocky Four, according to history, apparently Peter Cetera wrote "Glory of Love" for Rocky Four, and that got turned down. And he wound up right. giving that to the Karate Kid too. Right. Is the entire How Karate Kid soundtrack this? just rejected? It's Rocky rejected songs. Rocky songs, but also. <laughs> Like, I mean, my God, the, the it gives you an idea of like the how big these Rocky movies, the songs coming out of the Rocky soundtrack series is mind blowing. Even the ones rejected are right. so we're talking huge. about the Rocky, the Rocky Karate Kid relationship in this exact same chapter that I read. The book's called Glory Days, the, How the Summer of 84 Changed Sports and Pop Culture. Yeah. It's a great book. But uh, they talk about because the director of the Karate Kid was the director of the first Rocky movie and Sylvester Stallone walked up to the director because Sylvester Stallone directed Rocky's two through four and said, hey, man, you ripped off my movie idea because the Karate <laughs> Kid is basically like high school Rocky. Yeah. And the director said, well, you've only ever had one good one. So it was worth stealing. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> That's got to sting. That stings. <laughs> Lance, okay, so the soundtrack for Rocky. Okay, back with Rocky Four. Though, yeah, just yeah. to even show this. It was the number three grossing film of 1985 and it came out in thanksgiving of 1985 yes and so i did the adjusted inflation and gro movie grossed 300 million dollars which today would be 794 million dollars. wow which is how big this was so the soundtrack was out you know most of 86 it's burning up the airwaves or at least songs and stuff from it because it's the soundtrack peaked at number 10 
And then the album was the number 65 album of 1986. It peaked so, at number 10, just 167 slots shy of where Al hit with the parody oh, Living with a Hernia. <laughs> so with Al being on Scotty Brothers, Scotty Brothers was saying to him that he picks one of their artists, right? But then when the soundtrack with James Brown, who signed to Scotty Brothers, puts this song out and it's a hit, I mean, it became, so it's, so a little stats on, on, on that was it entered the top 40 on January 11th, 1986. And then it stayed on the chart for 11 more weeks. So that's like three and a half. I mean, it's three months, but yeah. it was playing before that. So it's like four solid months of people just hearing this thing where the song peaks at number four. And it was James Brown's first top 40 hit in over a decade. It was also his last top 40 hit that he ever put yeah. out. Mm. But because it was so huge, it was nominated for two R&B Grammys where he actually won for Best Male Vocalist and it, it, performance and all that. And that happened at the 87 Grammys, which has been in January. So this thing must be like everywhere. The yeah. Song. yeah. And then Scotty Brothers is like, well, you got to do the number four song in America as your parody. Of course. And, and like, yeah. And, got and for people who don't like, I mean, just to really make this as clear as possible from Scotty Brothers perspective, I mean, Al is big. Al has had some real success, but clearly, especially at this moment in time, the success of these Rocky soundtracks that Scotty Brothers are releasing is off the charts huge. This is enormous. This is like a cultural mega moment. And from their perspective, they're like, hey, if Al does a parody of a song on this record, like the rights, the fees that Al has to pay is just going back in Scotty Brothers' pocket. Yep. It could not be a better cross-promotional idea. I mean, not not artistically. It's a nightmare. But from their perspective, they're like, this is this makes total sense. If we have and him parodying, we're parodying ourselves. <laughs> yeah, they're giving themselves the Yankovic bump. Exactly, Matt. <laughs> that coveted Madonna <laughs> Yankovic bump. Exactly. And so that was it. So that's why that was the first. I mean, it was the lead single from this album, which is basically a year after the album or a year after the movie came out. So we're already like, Living in America for an entire year yes. before we start living in the hurry. <laughs> yes. And that is a great explanation for why this song is a single, kind of against all. Honestly, before we started, when we were doing the prep for this episode, I legitimately forgot that this was a single. Like yeah. I, what, I, I saw online, there's a music video. I'm like, there's not a music video for living with a hernia. And I looked, I'm like, oh, there is. I completely forgot. See, this is one of those classic cases because I was not a guy who watched sports movies as a kid. So I knew living with a hernia before I knew living in America. Yeah. For me. I don't like, think I'm was... the case on this one. I feel like I definitely, this was late for me. I don't, I don't know. I, I guess I didn't have this record at a young age. This is not something like we talked about all these compilations. Interestingly, another Polka Party fact, there's only one song on Polka Party that made it on essentials his Essentials right? record. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I did not hear this in my youngest Al days. This was something I found later. Yeah. Right. Nice. That's, I'm, I'm like Matt. I actually knew living with a hernia before. The there you go. Song. Yeah, no. So that's why I was, it's one of those things where I was like, oh, there's there's another song yeah. that this came from? Yeah, so they, right. so so I do want to say that uh, a few things. First of all, Al wasn't against this as much as he was with like doing Cindy Lauper. Yeah. Um, he he went on the record and said that it was actually a thrill to do James Bond because he's a total non-dancer. He never even James went Brown. in high school. James Brown. Sorry, James <laughs> Brown. James, he was a big that fan was of a James great, Bond. That was a great <laughs> misspeak. Yeah. 
There was, it was a real thrill to do James Brown. Breaking news on our podcast. Weird Al is the new James Bond. We've yeah. just gotten the word. He never went to any dances in high school, so he was excited to like analytically dissect the dance routine in order to figure it out. He also researched all the different types of hernias. Uh, that research shows a lot stronger in this than his duck research did. Yeah, he and actually I want did put duck. some time into this one. I do respect <laughs> that a lot. So there's two notes. First of all, my very first note is tied to the music video and it just says there are not words that can be described to explain how thankful I am that Al did not try to look more like James Brown. Oh my God. Quotes around it. Oh my God. <laughs> like, I totally agree. I watched both these videos this morning just to double C and okay. So with this video, Al is basically recreating the video of living in America. Yeah. Al has recreated this video where anytime they show things of America, they're showing people with hernias. Yeah. And anytime they show James Brown, Al looks like James Brown. He's wearing James Brown suit. He's dancing like James Brown. They are on the exact same stage of this whole thing that they do the living in America video with Al shot living in a, with a hernia on the same stage. Yeah, they got the same, the same set look, and everything. And yeah. I guess Matt is just saying that he's glad that Al didn't take it the extra mile. Well, he does. <laughs> yeah. Al has like, um, <laughs> to look like he has like um, some sort of prosthetic teeth or something. Yeah. Am I, yeah, he has like fake teeth that he's wearing for like an enormous smile like James has. That's the extent of it other than wardrobe, <laughs> that, which and is And that great. is all I need from Al. Which yes. is great. That is the right call. Talking um, about a career-ending move. That might have been the... <laughs> one, especially 100%. in hindsight. At the time, maybe nobody would have cared. But now, looking back, yeah. Right, light years before oh, Tropic Thunder. Yeah, yeah, yeah light truly, years, truly. Like, well before. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, in New Jersey... So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and oh, the practical effects. <sighs> um, and also the male gaze. My gaze at the males. hi From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. At maximum mediocrity, people say things like, I don't dress like this on the regular basis. This isn't my, you know, pooping uniform. This is not <laughs> <laughs> And they also say things like, the, the nurses are usually either angels of mercy or whores. Every episode is a new experience where you get to know people that aren't famous, but should be. Why am I facing Floyd Mayweather in the Woods. My co-host Morgan and I track down the people you didn't know you needed to hear from. It's like hot sex in a mug. We are the Maximum Mediocrity Podcast, and we are on all major podcasting platforms. We'll be waiting for you. Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. Jim, I think you and Chris and I have all talked about 
the fact that because of this song, we know way more names of hernias than any one of us should have business knowing. <laughs> Brother, I was just wondering, are there like doctors in America that have passed exams because they know all of the stuff on the song? It's. I can categorically tell you that I have passed at least one geography test in high school because I knew all the words to the Animaniac <laughs> song where it's like United States, Canada, Mexico, Panama, Haiti, Jamaica, Peru, yeah. Republic of Dominion, Cuba, Caribbean, nice. Greenland, El Salvador, <laughs> two, Costa Rica, Colombia, Venezuela, French Guianos and still Guatemala, Bolivia, and then Argentina, and then French and Chile, Brazil. <laughs> so yes, I think that they were like, oh man, what are the different types of hernias that you can get? Yeah, it's probably not enough to get you a medical degree, but it'll help you on one exam. That's right. Yeah, if you find yourself in school, specific. yeah, one very specific exam, you're going to be like, I am, I got it. Thank you, Al. You're ready to open the hernia clip. Yeah, exactly. So the video is insane. So, like, the video is like weirdly sped up and like creates such a bizarre visual. Like, everything feels like they said, Al, you're going to move slowly and then we're going to speed this up so that it syncs up more beautifully. Yeah. But, like, it it creates such a strange visual like and i think it helps his dance moves like the way he's dancing is hilarious yeah throughout the video but even like when it's just showing him in his day-to-day -day life with his hernia like even my my favorite shot in the entire video him bowling with a hernia where he just like oh, yeah. goes up to the line and drops the ball but that's even sped up like everything is sped up in this video it's so weird it was awesome i watched i said i watched a video this morning i probably haven't watched a video in 15 years i was still i was cracking up i was like this is so great if you haven't seen it out there you got to do yourself a favor pop it up it didn't even have an ad come up before it it just went right into it so. yeah it just started it's odd to me cuz i you know as we're talking about it now i'm thinking like I enjoyed this, but maybe not as much as you guys, because I did think this was an odd, this is an odd video for me in that it seems like both, it's very high budget, it looks expensive, again, they went back to James's original set, this is like a bunch of people, like, it, I think they actually filled a room to shoot this video, but also in a lot of ways it's like somewhat, it's expensive and also like slightly uninspired to me. Like, it's very straight. It it's very straight, like, that it's just him doing James's dances. And it's funny, don't get me wrong. But it's, uh, and then it's just the the uh, the various shots of him in pain in public. The scenes of him in pain are way <laughs> Which now I'm describing it and I'm laughing, so maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I don't want to give away too much here, but this is not going to be ranking high on my music video list by any stretch of the imagination. But there uh, are, no. like I said, him bowling got, got me. I'll say the funniest part of the concert footage is you know he everyone knows the infamous James Brown not to be confused with James Bond only an idiot would do that um where you know James is is too tired and he's bent over and they bring the cape on him and then he dramatically has his second win it's it's the Hulk clap in wrestling but like James Brown always kind of needs that like Hulk up moment in the middle of his live performance it's become a calling card for him yeah when Al does this when this guy throws this cape on him i don't know what stunt man they hired to play the cape guy. <laughs> this dude goes flying off camera when Al jumps back with a second burst of energy and it fucking crushes me when it happens. I know what you mean. Yeah, no, that is the, that is really good. Yeah. <laughs> like, the other thing the video that's funny is as I, I I mean, I'm sure this was on purpose or whatever, but like, you know, when they back to when they read the top top hernias that you can get, right? Mm -hmm. It's the top ten hernias of the week. But the song only has nine hernias. And the That's way right, that it's yeah. shot is 
you don't even see number 10 on the chart. So it's just like there's a mystery <laughs> hernia. You don't even know what it is. And they read all of them and you can see them, but there's never number 10. So you don't know what, what that one is. <laughs> well done. Well done, camera crew. Um, but yeah, I mean, the song, I will agree with you, Matt, that this is not uninspired is a great way to describe it because as funny as this is, and and again, I, I'm looking at like my list of the parodies and this is definitely more researched and like this is not like a phoned in forced parody by any stretch of the imagination for Al. Like he put sure. in the work. Oh, I yeah. don't know if it's one that holds up to repeat listens like something like Yoda or I Lost on Jeopardy or, or like a surgeon, right? Like yeah. those those are like ones that for both of us are in our top three right now. And I think for good reason is like you can still listen to that song and the humor of the song hits when it's the hundredth time that you're listening to it. I don't, I don't think that living with a hernia benefits from repeat listens, which is possibly also why this album did so bad is like you hear the song once and you're like, yeah, I get it. And then you don't need, need it in your collection. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, for me, the comedy of this whole thing is the idea that I think I'm, I'm guessing Al's thought process on this was like, okay, James Brown is someone who in his songs regularly yells, ow. So how yeah. funny would it be if the song was about that he did that because he's in actual physical pain the whole time? <laughs> Which, again, as a concept, I love. I actually think that's really a funny idea. But I think the funniest part is that more yeah. than anything in the lyric of the song. You know what I mean? Like it's the the concept of it is the is the best part of the gag. And yeah. then when you hear the song, you're like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly that. It's also one of those songs where the video, certain elements of the song are are funny because I'm thinking of the video when I hear it. But sure. like, you know, like the big one for me is when he goes, wait a minute, because, <laughs> because it's like this shot of him like slowly dancing off the stage and then realizing that there's, wait, I forgot something. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. And all of those things are great because that's all so James Brown. Uh, his the the random vocalizing and stuff. I'm not sure how much of James Brown's catalog either of you have heard or you, the listeners. But if you go especially through his like deeper cuts and some of his older like just like funk dance songs, it is basically like his band comes up with a groove and James is just kind of like talking slash yelling stuff. I was going to say at, prime example is the band and at the <laughs> audience at the same time. Like he's literally while the band's playing, he's like, I don't, what do you think? Should we go to the bridge? Take it to the bridge. You ready for the bridge? Maceo, bridge? This guy is insane. Yeah. My prime example is always Sex Machine. Yeah. Because, like, if you actually tried to look at what the words to that song are, it's literally just get on up, stay on the scene like a sex machine. Yeah. Song is seven minutes long. I know. And it and, and also (laughs) musically, very little happens. It's a single groove and it just loops. And it's honestly like, I mean, and that we didn't talk about this yet, but like, I love, love, love James Brown. Yeah, no, another, I would never skip that song. Another that interesting song side note one, is, I'd be like, all right, I'm listening to this for seven minutes now because yeah, it's great. Yeah. And as much as I love James Brown, Living in America is not my favorite James Brown song. It's fine, but it's not. It's not amazing. It's not. It's not the sort of James Brown song that I want to hear when I want to listen to him. No, and that's case in point to the critic who said like these songs are going to be forgotten in 15 years. Is yeah. like as Jim said, this song like dominated the year 1985. But I think if you lined up a bunch of people and said name me three James Brown songs, I don't think Living in America would pop to a lot of people's minds. They'd be like, you know, super bad. Uh, Sex Machine, um, I Got You. Even I Feel Good is still yeah. like has so much more uh, prevalent now, yeah. 
this is a classic case of like Al tackling a great subject, total wrong song for for Al to be doing. Right. But, you know, his hand was forced in a way because it's like exactly thrust thrust upon him to make a parody of a smash hit song of 1986 that he had to put out in October of 1986 as this thing had been literally dominated. I mean, I'm sure that people, you know, okay. Let's think of songs today that we can't one don't ever hear again. Oh, Uncle, yeah. oh, there's Uncle, Uncle Crackers. Follow me. I don't ever want to hear that song. <laughs> Lighthouse. That was the first Hang, one you said. <laughs> really Hang, made me laugh. I, yeah, I would refer to songs as having the Uncle Cracker effect, which is that's a good they example. Come out and they're super popular. You're like, oh my god, I can't stop hearing the song, and then it hits the top, and you're like, I never want to hear this fucking song ever. So again. true. You're so right. True. He's had a couple of those because "Smile" by him was like the exact same case. That song was like everywhere for a summer, and then everyone was just like, "Yep, we're done with this one." One that might just be coming back now, and I don't even want to say that it is, is "Lifehouse Hanging by a Moment." That was oh. a song that you couldn't. Mm. Just, I know I like the song, but now, but yeah. like, dude, there was a time in your life that you could like, come on, no, that was the reason. inescapable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know I hate "Who oh. the Reason." That is one of my least <laughs> favorite popular songs hey, in music hey, history. Good friends of mine, watch it. "Who the Band," no problem. "Crawling in the Dark," fucking banger. The reason. Has never been a song that worked for That's me. That's totally fair. I think if Hoover Stank, I think if Hoover Stank were here right now, they would understand. <laughs> like, and I think that that was a fine song. That as it was like the number one song for multiple months, I was just like, okay, come on, guys. yeah. I'm sure that just in the case of, as I mean, I was alive in 1985, but I was five years old. No, I was four years old when this was coming. I guess 1986. So I was five in 1986. I didn't. I wasn't cognizant of the radio, so this probably was missing me absolutely completely in terms of how much this was on. But as we were saying with it being on the radio for 11 weeks, and then once it's like, it's you know, songs that are on the radio now that are high rotation, they play them twice an hour, maybe. Yeah. So like you're hearing it for 11 weeks, twice an hour, then it becomes a recurrent where you're going to hear it once a day or whatever. And then James Brown is nominated for the 1987 Grammy. You just like couldn't escape the song, and then Al comes out with his. You're just probably, I bet by the time it came out, you're people, probably right. It probably, yeah. wasn't, it probably wasn't that people didn't like Al or appreciate his take on it or whatever else. They were probably just like, I don't want to hear this song again in a different form yeah. for yeah. another for another 12 weeks. Yeah, they were just done. I get it. Yeah, I don't blame them. <laughs> no, I don't blame them either. I don't blame them either. Also, a side note, really quick like this came from a time I remember in my childhood. And it's funny because, again, I don't think I knew this song when I was especially young. I don't have a memory of hearing it at a young age. But remember that this is like a great time period where, for whatever reason, people just decided that hernias were funny. Yeah. It's a funny thing with comedy. We've said before about how, like, in Al TV and stuff, like, you go back to the 80s and just the concept of sushi was a punchline. Yeah. Uh, Look at this. It's fish and it's not cooked. It's all little, yeah, it's just weird bits of... (laughs) I don't know. It's just interesting, like relics of comedy there for me, where it's just like hernias were hilarious. I remember I had a cousin who at a young age had a hernia and I just was like, ha 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 ha. And he was like, it's, this is very painful. It's not funny at all. Yeah. This is the worst thing that's ever happened. Sorry. (laughs) I just thought it was funny. I'm supposed to, I was told this was funny. (laughs) Uh, And I was told that living with a hernia was funny, but does it rank well on my overall parodies from Weird Al Yankovic? Jim, this is insane, but I'm putting this right next to, to another one of your picks. So I'm putting Living with a Hernia literally just above King of Suede, smack in the middle between I Love Rocky Road and King of Suede. 
Oh, nice. Well, okay. Well, that's, that's that that seems fair. And I would put it. I would put this definitely below King of Suede. Now, granted, I know that I'm more into King of Suede than maybe most people that listen or one Chris Fafalius who apparently hates it. <laughs> but well, I think that they, you rank that correctly in a way. I mean, I would put this one below that because of that other one, but I think it's in the right spot. And also, I don't think King of the King of Suede is like his greatest parody ever. At the time that I was ranking it, there wasn't too many that we could choose from. So now there's <laughs> no, more you in know the what? mix. You know what? As we get deeper into this show, I think we need to just normalize the idea that just because someone is on as a guest for a song, it's not because it's their favorite of all no, time no. Sure, song sure, sure. because uh otherwise we're gonna struggle to get guests yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for a chunk of time <laughs> right 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 no but yeah. i think you know i just in terms of the way this stuff goes i mean look if you're really gonna analyze it i mean he definitely did the work on this parody in oh. the sense of like it's i mean like there's I there's a reason I, to like go oh, good this is there's a reason why i put it higher than i want a new duck because he put in the work way more than i want a new duck and I put it higher than girls just want to have lunch because this doesn't feel as begrudgingly forced upon him as the recording of I uh, girls just want to have lunch feels. So like, I, I think that of all the songs that I feel like had been forced on him, this is the one that you got the best overall result out of. But I'm curious where Matt is going to rank this with his parodies. Yeah, it's going to be in the same ballpark as you, although... I'm going to, yeah, actually, I guess I'm going to put it very, very close. I'm going to put it just above Another One Rides the Bus. All right, so under so that's King between, of Suede. Yeah, yeah, under King of Suede, uh, but above Another One Rides the Bus. And real quickly, let's knock out the music videos. I'm going to put this just below I Love Rocky Road and above This Is The Life. So pretty much right at the bottom there. Yeah, I mean, I could see it being in the bottom, and just in the sense of like of just what what is. But I mean, it is very funny. It's funnier it than oh. I think it's funnier than this is the life, only because also that has a lot of that movie in it too, as like the video. <laughs> I so forgot. Hey, like, you you watch out! You're talking to one of the biggest. This is the life fans I know for that music video, who ranked it as his fifth favorite music video. So far. I, I, I was actually going to say I'm surprised that you have it so. Low. I don't know why I like the this is the life video. I don't. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I can't believe that's a hot take. I'm surprised. You know what? I'm just. I'm. This is at the bottom for me. This is the very bottom. All right. This is at the bottom of my videos. I I was tempted to put it above, uh, Rocky Road, but no. I just. I mean, I like it, but it's there's you know it's something about it just does not a hundred percent. Just doesn't quite do it for me. Gotcha. I did. I do laugh. I enjoy it, but um, Rocky Road has some uh, some charm that I feel like this one is missing. Yeah. Well, that's black and white. Yeah. They open the door. You know and the what? Guys that does. Yeah. And it's sick. There you go. That's true. <laughs> All right. So, Jim. Yeah. It's a new album. So let's let's make sure the audience is aware of the guest rankings because it's been a while since we've really ran these down. So, at number one for best owl, whatever, based on the guest rankings, is one more minute. Yoda is at number two. Like a surgeon is at number three. Girls just want to have lunch is at number four. Hooked on polkas is at number five. Nature Trail to Hell is at number six. Eat It is at number seven. Slime Creatures from Outer Space is at number eight. I Lost on Jeopardy is at number nine. King of Suede is at number 10. And It's Still Billy Joel to Me is at number 11. First, where are you putting Living with a Hernia? Well, okay. So from, since I had just said earlier, it's got to be, it's below King of Suede for me. I think it's at the end of that list where we're at because all of the songs you read, I like more than this one. So Including I'd It's Still it Billy Joel to Me? I think that 
that I mean that one's just so funny. <laughs> okay, I just wanted to confirm. This is it. So you're yeah, putting I living think, with a hernia all the way at the bottom of the list. It's, I, I mean, you know, I think that there's. I, I look, it's a great song. It's a great parody. It works in the sense of why. I mean, you know, we were kind of talking about with it. Like I, my connection with the song or just the album is as a you know 11 year old kid cutting the grass or whatever. That's what I was like listening to on my Walkman. And I think because we were talking about the James Brown, like I was not familiar with the James Brown catalog at the time so i'm hearing a song that sounds awesome because it's basically a james brown song. yeah and i'm like i love this this sounds great it's talk about hernias which are hilarious and <laughs> as we I... universally agreed exactly. hernias are hilarious I'm... if you have a hernia it's... you're laughing exactly so i'm like how would i <laughs> you're not literally busting a gut song? over health like it is a... <laughs> <laughs> there it is there it is you did it man <laughs> all right but yeah so... but so but but as a as you know but as we're looking at it now for the historical record educationally with the other songs we've looked at in the catalog, et cetera, I can put it down where I did, but okay. that's still pretty high. It's still like top 15. or right? Yeah. It's 12 out of 12 so far. So you know that you also get to move something that you think is completely in the wrong, whether it's move a song down a couple pegs, move a song up a couple pegs. Even though I like it, I'm moving slime creatures down below <laughs> Little with Hernia. So oh. that's going to be at the new bottom of the list. There you with go. Hernia, one up above it. There but you that's go. Great. I mean, look, Slime Creatures is great. I'm not hating on it. I guess maybe I am because I'm moving it. But look. Look, I'm a fan of the fact happen. that you did a move <laughs> that pushed I Lost on Jeopardy higher up because <laughs> I Lost on Jeopardy, in my mind, is way too low on that list. I love our guest rankings so much. I just have to it's say it. Like chaos. the game, the game of the the moving of other people's picks is just so insane. I, I love like <laughs> I love that you put yours at the bottom, which was like, oh, wow, lowest, but then put something else underneath. Like, for, I, I don't know. It's just such yeah. such chaos. It's, it's called 3D chess. Yeah. <laughs> Have we gotten any updates on and of listeners out there that are finding a way for us to be able to play the weird out? I was just going to say, we, we needed to end with this note, Jim's game, for those of you who... <laughs> missed the king of suede episode right it was king of suede where was, we yeah, we yeah. uh discovered that jim had it has a long lost weird al game on floppy disk <laughs> old old big floppy disk that's right five inch we are actively searching for someone in the world who can help us digitize it for Actually the modern age the <laughs> yeah i was uh i was recently hanging out with uh, my friend rat bear who i co-created this game with and he was very excited that we'd be even talking about it or know that we still had a copy of it, but he swears that there's no way that we ever finished that game and that there's <laughs> going to be no ending to it. But I don't know, but I definitely know that we wrote a parody song that's inside it. And I don't know if I mentioned this last time, but it is a parody of uh, Let's Get Rocked by Def Leppard. I don't oh. remember what it is. I think it has something to do with socks and laundry, but I don't remember because it's inside <laughs> that game. So, uh, so that yeah. I mean, we'll, this we'll this has to happen. It might have been like let's. It might have been something like let's. It might have been something like let's wash socks or something like that. <laughs> I don't know, but it was definitely Def Leppard. I know that's what I. I, I have actual people in my life <laughs> who have uh, said to me, just totally separate of anything. Like I run into them and they go like, "So is there any progress with that game?" <laughs> Man, nice. Like people right, are really wait. invested in this. This might literally come down to us having to like find a 1995 so back because uh, you know back whenever i made this on an apple 2gs they were abundant in our school district i can't imagine that that school district just put them all in a dumpster i have to feel like they have to be living in a storage unit or something they are somewhere living in, in an area <laughs> yeah exactly 
I, I feel like, though, my understanding is that even if someone had one of those computers that could actually play the, the floppy disk, getting it off of that and in a place that other people could see it is so hard because those computers are just, they were not designed to like go on the internet or have other storage media connected to them. Like getting it out of that box is like the hardest part of that's, the- That's uh, the thing that makes, makes me wonder about what would happen if we had a way to have this game work is because I know that Apple TGS had to run so slow that yeah. if you were to put it into something like today that has like a whatever Intel microprocessor, shout out Dave Goldstein, my friend that works at Intel, it's got to be 40 million times faster than what that Apple TGS was. Yeah, we'll finish so that like, game I don't know in two minutes. Even like, yeah, no, just be like, <laughs> like, I don't know if it would, yeah, I don't know how it would even work. Probably wouldn't even play. But well, no, it's going to play because we're going to figure it out. Somebody out there who's a computer collector who's got that Apple IIGS sitting at their house, let's do this. Come on. Huh. Right in. Let us know. Let us Even if, again. look, maybe we won't be able to stream it live, but maybe we'll be able to at least set up a video camera and film the playing of this game. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It yeah. just seriously, needs to be played once. Seriously, seriously, because we did do some search. Like, if you are listening to this episode and you know somebody who knows somebody who has one of these, like, get in touch with us and help us make this happen. Yeah. And it might be the ultimate Geraldo's vault opening that we get yeah. this disc to someone and it just loads an error screen. But personally, oh, man, I so need sad. to see <laughs> this through. I need, yeah, we, I need I, closure on this. Yeah, we need to know that we have exhausted every possibility. Too many sleepless <laughs> nights. Yeah, in getting this what, I, mean, I mean, we'll figure it out. And the thing is what I'm nervous about, but maybe we can bring ourselves to this. I don't. I don't necessarily want to send it somewhere because, like, of what course, if I send it somewhere and then we did, like, you know, it gets I know this is a one-time thing. We're, we're, I, I, I totally get that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This, this is literally like a Matt makes a road trip from New York down to Philadelphia so that we can just all the three of us play. this. We're gonna carry <laughs> this in a locked box. It's gonna be like a heart transplant. <laughs> You just wear it around your neck like on a gold chain after this. It's a security (laughs) detail following me. All right. It's going to be perfect. Well, Jim. It'll be what takes takes this podcast national. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Jim, do you got anything else you need to promote before we uh, wrap this up? I mean, the usual suspects of promoting, if you're out there and you're a creator and you want to do something creative, like raise money to record an album or maybe make a documentary or do something fun, I uh, run a kickstarter agency to help people run kickstarters you can check us out at enjoycraftservices.com or if you're trying to listen to new music you should listen to some punchline because they've got new music they've got old music they've been around forever so check out punchline you know them, you love them that's about it for now i mean in the future i may have more things to to plug and talk about but for now that's a uh, tried great. and true great all right well we'll see you again when we get into the 90s edition of al and uh, uh, i can't wait We'll, we'll I've been thinking so is. much about Alan, all these things that are going on, but I don't want to jump so far ahead because it's like, it's so fun to talk about this stuff while it's like, like we're talking about Polka Party as if nothing after Polka Party. <laughs> I, know, I know, I you know. I, I like mean? that too. So it's I like, really do. It's, it's, like, it's so hard to be like, oh, well, how did you forget about Alan <laughs> stuff? But it's like, no, that didn't exist yet. That is, I heard someone say this on, I think it was the Gilmore Guys podcast. And they, the one host, Demi, was like, I have literally only watched every Gilmore Girls episode one time. But because every time that I watch an episode, I have to talk for three and a half hours about it. I feel like I know more about any given episode of Gilmore Girls than people who've watched those episodes a thousand times. And I'm starting to feel that way with Weird Al information where it's like the fact that we are literally taking 
30 to 45 minutes every song to like meticulously <laughs> dissect and look into it. I feel like anytime Weird Al comes up, I'm just like, I've got about a billion facts for you yeah. that are just living <laughs> yeah. rent-free in my brain now. We get really into it. <laughs> and in this episode, we, we, we covered a lot of ground. We didn't even talk about the common types of hernias that you could get. No. Yeah, let's see. Could you you got to so, listen hey. to the song to get it. Incomplete. Well, you, so Matt, if you did, yeah, if you did it, could you do it? In- so it was like, you may not be familiar with the common types of hernia that you can get. Do you know them, Jim? So Go. Just settle down. Let I'm me clue you think. in. There's incomplete. Incomplete. Epigastric. Epigastric. That's like bladder. Bladder. Strangulated. Strangulated. Richter's hernia. Oh, no. Lumbar's hernia. Lumbar hernia. Richter's hernia. Richter's hernia. Obstructed. Obstructed. Iguidal. 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 And direct. And direct. <laughs> Very good. Jim you could have passed that test. You could be a doctor. All the hernias. <laughs> so you guys, yeah. If you're feeling unwell and you think it might be a hernia, just go call Jim. Come on, come on down to my clinic, and we'll get you fixed up. Thank you for that. <laughs> Thank you guys. Thanks for having me. I hope to be on again. You have will. A good one. Nice. <laughs> Later, fellas. Meanwhile, in New Jersey. So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and, oh, the practical effects. (sighs) Um, and also the male gaze? My gaze at the males. From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. At maximum mediocrity, people say things like, I don't dress like this on the regular basis. This isn't my, you know, pooping uniform. This is not <laughs> <laughs> And they also say things like, the, the nurses are usually either angels of mercy or whores. Every episode is a new experience where you get to know people that aren't famous, but should be. Why am I f- facing Floyd Mayweather in the f- what? My co-host Morgan and I track down the people you didn't know you needed to hear from. It's like hot sex in a mug. We are the Maximum Mediocrity Podcast, and we are on all major podcasting platforms. We'll be waiting for you. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 